Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Hey, welcome everyone. Thanks for coming to Renaissance. My name is Jeff. Excuse me. And I am one of the leaders here. And so we are in the final week of a three-week series, a capital campaign series that we've titled Count Me In. You see this shirt here, right? Say it with me. Real men wear pink. Yes. Someone said camo? I'm not sure about that. So... <laughs> was it you, Brock? Anyways, so I, I, just, I just want to thank you for coming. Um, we are uh, in this capital campaign, campaign series for one primary purpose, that we want to, to make more room so that more people can come and hear the, the truth and love of Jesus, that we're, we're a little crowded. If you guys would ever come into the morning services, not that you guys would ever do that because, you, you know, that's early on the weekend, I get that, but if you were to come at the 9 a.m., we were filled to capacity um, this morning at the 1045, overflow was overflowing yet again, and here we are at the 6, starting to fill up again. So we have, we've, we're at capacity basically every weekend, and so we want to make more room. And we have room available to us upstairs. We have about 28,000 square feet in these two buildings that we're hoping to remodel. So that's the whole purpose behind all of this. And we know that the resources that God would have for us to, to remodel this space is actually here among us. That God has so blessed us already with some resources, but we had to do something that Renaissance has never done before. We had to ask you guys to give. We've never done that. And so we decided to do that, and so we're at the final week um, of, of this series talking about that thing. The, the first week, though, if you want to go back with me um, and remember this, we talked about two things, that, that God is an inviting God. Would you agree with that? That God invites us to know who he is. He, he desperately wants to have a relationship with his people. Um, I've shared this before, but there, there are things in my life, when I look back, right, in, into my pre-Christian life. I didn't become a Christian until I was 26 years old or so. Um, but when I look way back, I can see God working in my life long before I ever said yes to his son, Jesus. Does anyone have stories like this? That God is forever and always inviting us to know who he is. And not only is he inviting us to know him and to have a relationship with him, he's inviting us to join with him in the work that he's doing. And this is an exciting part of it. Uh, Jesus, when he talked to his 12 friends or 12 disciples, um, he told them to leave behind their, their professions, leave behind their daily lives as they currently understand them, to come and to follow him, and he would make them fishers of men. What a crazy statement, right? But what he's saying is like, why don't you join with me as we go to and fro across the area, telling people the love that God has for them and the forgiveness of sins that he's made available through me. <laughs> And so we get to partner with God and tell people that story. So we had that piece of information in week one. Secondly, we're out of space. 
So then week two, we talked about investing, not so much in the stock market, but in investing into the things of God, into the heavenly things, into spiritual things, into to treasures in heaven truly. And, and being generous like God it provides those things for us in the future. God wants us to be like him. The Bible tells us that he's trying to transform us into the image of who? His son, Jesus. And who is the most generous person to have ever walked this earth? It is Jesus. Yeah, it's the answer, Jesus. You're like, it's church. Is the answer Jesus? Yes, the answer is Jesus. But I want you to, to consider this, that while you and I were yet sinners, the Bible tells us, while you and I still had dark hearts towards all things godly and good, while you and I decided to go our own ways and to forsake the good thing that is God the Father, he, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. That he was so willing to bankrupt himself, to leave heaven, to come here as a lowly human, to experience the pain and the troubles of this life, to endure death, not just any death, but death upon a Roman cross, a suffering, painful death, to absorb the penalty and punishment of our sin upon his own body, to then be buried in a grave, but God received his sacrifice. And God raised him from the dead on the third day. Someone say, Happy Easter. Or amen, it's fine. Thank you, Terry. And so anyways, yes. So yes, he raised him from the dead. And now through, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we too have the hope of eternal life. I mean, that is this. So we want to be like Jesus, who was very generous. And so last week, if you weren't here, we had a very tough conversation about the sin of greed, materialism, the sin of stinginess and selfishness, that it is, is antithetical to the heart of God. And, and some people actually came up to me and said, Jeff, I felt like after I left church, I had a, a hand smack mark across my face where God smacked me awake. And I said, he, he does that to us because he loves us. Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't leave us in a place of sin if he, if he um, didn't love us. It's like our own children. If you have children, you, you don't let your, your kids do things that are harmful to them. You, would, you, you make sure they understand that what you're doing is dangerous. You need to stop doing that. And so God did that for us last week. He, he even talked to me about some, some sins in my own life too. And so here we are in week three of this series, the final week, where we are going to do the ask. We are going to um, ask you to take your commitment cards right? And you can't miss these, right? Because we put one on every chair when you walked in. Some of you are like, wait, are these seats saved right now? I don't know what's happening. No, that's your commitment card that you're supposed to fill out. Um, we're praying and that you would join with us in this work, but we'll get to this uh, later. Um, but I want to do something as we get started. We do it every week. I want to pray for us. I want to ask God and his Holy Spirit to lead us and help us to understand um, his heart for not just us individually, but us as a church and our work here in the city. Do you believe God is restoring things on the earth? Do you believe God is establishing his kingdom on the earth? Yes. Do you think his principles need to go forward into the earth? Do you think people, the, the world would be a better place if there were more Christians living a, a godly life? Yes. The answer is yes to that. And so we want to partner with God in that. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we thank you for our time together today. Um, I, I love that song we just sang that you are the rock. Jesus, you are the thing that never shakes. That if there's anything in our life that gets a little uh, wonky, a little loose or whatever, Lord, we can come back to where you are. So we're doing that right now. Lord, we're running back to where Jesus is. And we're, we're seeking his heart. And we're asking um, through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would lead us where you want us to go. Uh, each person here, Lord, belongs to you. And I'm asking you to speak to every person in this room. I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would illuminate um, that which you would want us to do to be a part of this Count Me, Count Me In campaign. So God, I thank you for our time together. I pray that you be glorified and we pray in Jesus' name alone. Amen? Amen. So bless you. So I grew up in um, 
in the days before cell phones. I mean, I'm like, I'm that old. Yes, it's true. Um, and when I was being raised by my parents, um, parenting back then looked a little different now. Um, back then, our parents treated us like a stray cat a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they would throw us out of the house kind of in the mornings and just assume we would make our way back when it's time to eat, you know? And that's what my summers were like. And we didn't worry about, you know, checking in with mom every two hours. You know, our kids have cell phones now and it's so difficult to, um, to punish them sometimes. We're like, well, if you don't knock it off, young lady, I'm going to take your cell phone away from you. And they're, the whole time they're thinking, no, you won't, because if you take the cell phone away from me, you won't be able to get a hold of me, you know, and you, and you want to know where I'm at at all times. And, and that is true. So we, we struggle with that. But when I was younger, we would just left the house when, when the morning after breakfast, right? And we just came back when we were hungry. And that was what summers were for, for me. And I remember one particular summer, me and some friends of mine are just hanging out in the neighborhood playing, and a, and a bus drove up. And I've shared this story before, so you might have heard it. But a bus drove up, and I promise this is true. The guy opens the door to the bus, and he looks at us and says, hey, if you come with me, I will give you candy. <laughs> true story. Yes, and you know what we did? We got on that bus. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I led the way. I said, follow me, boys. We're getting candy. And we jumped on this bus. Now, um, looking back now, I know what it was. This, this church in town had a little bus ministry, and they went around picking up people in neighborhoods. You'd get arrested for that today, I'll just say it. <laughs> but as a, as a kid, I remember going to this, this church and looking up at the ceiling, not paying attention to who the guy was, speaking, getting shushed a lot. I remember that. Um, to this day, I couldn't tell you where that church was. But I remember jumping on that bus just to get the candy. So I want you to follow that sort of metaphor. So I feel like we as a church renaissance are standing kind of on the side of the road that a bus, a proverbial bus has driven up, the doors open, and someone is inviting us to go along. That this bus wants to go somewhere. And, and the question that every sane, rational person would ask is this, is where are we going? That's what we should be asking. I didn't ask that question. I've learned my lesson. But, but that's what we should be asking. Where are we going? So if you want to know where we're going in this Count Me In campaign, simply put, as I've already stated, we want to make more room so more people can come, that we are filled to capacity. Guys, I want you to hear me in this. I wish I had the 20-step detailed plan of everything that's going to happen. In fact, if you don't know me, I was very reticent to even do this capital campaign anyways. The church council, we have seven members on our church council who oversee the finances here at the church. They have been asking me for over a year to do this. Other staff members, other people, my wife, the wisest person I've ever met, right, has been telling me, Jeff, it's time to ask these people to really join with us and go forward. And I've been putting it off. And you know why I've been putting it off? Because it didn't have the plan. I didn't have all the details. I wish I could say step one, elevator, this and that, blah, 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 $350,000. Step two, it's going to be this. We're going to add a second staircase. We're going to finally get this second room done. We're going to connect the two buildings and all kinds of stuff, $850,000. Step three, we're going to remodel 10,000 square feet of kid space with the tornado slide that sends your kids onto the first floor. When we're done with them, we're going, to, here comes Jimmy. We send him down the pipe. That's your kid. You pick him up. You take him out to eat. That's, woo, step three, let's go. So, that's, that's what I want to do, but I don't, I don't have that. But I know this, that we have enough money to get started. We have enough money to put in a new elevator. We have enough money to connect the two buildings. So we have, instead of the Moran building and the Leaf building, they'll operate as one space. We have enough money to meet with engineers and architects to get designs to start moving onto that third floor where we can build a sanctuary space that will hold 400, about 400 people. That's where I know we're headed, and that's the only thing I know right now. And so it's crazy to think that, that God would call us um, to follow him in this endeavor and not have all the details worked out. But can I be honest with you? 
A good friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine once told me this. He says, Jeff, if you're not walking in a level of uncertainty in your life, you're not walking by faith. Oh, and I said, get out of my house right now. I don't even, <laughs> you are not my friend any longer because there are days when we want to play it safe, don't we? We want to know the end results before we get started. But the Old Testament, guys, if you know some of the stories from the Old Testament, it is replete with stories of men and women who were obedient to God's call on their life, not having known the end of the story, and yet they, they followed God in obedience, and God used them to do miraculous and wonderful things on the earth. We read a lot of those stories. In fact, if you were to turn with, you, with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, it's in the, it's in the New Testament, um, we see the, the writer of Hebrews kind of recount some of the stories of the Old Testament. This, this um, chapter in Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith, if you've heard of it. These people have great faith to follow after God. So I want to read something from Hebrews 11, and I, I want you to pay attention to verse 6, 7, and 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a hardback one underneath a seat close to you, and you can use that one. And if you don't own a Bible, you can take that one home with you. That's your gift. And otherwise, you can just follow along um, with us on the screen here. But I want you to see, starting in verse 6, the first thing we understand about faith, that it says without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. That there's something that God has made available to us that we must use and exercise to bring pleasure to who God is, to bring uh, pleasure to, to God. So as I was praying about this this morning, I was, I was trying to think of a, uh, a story or an example that I could give, give us to help us see what that looks like. And so let me just give you a little bit of um, kind of some of the things that I deal with. So I, I hear voices, and I don't mean that like in a literal sense, but I, I oftentimes hear things. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes it's God talking, many times it's not. And I hear things like this, Jeff, you're not a very good father. And it's not my wife telling me this, it's not my kids, it's just, it's just I know I could do better. I struggle, you know, sometimes in that area. I hear, Jeff, you're not a very good leader of a church. Jeff, the church would be better if you had a, a, a better pastor, someone other than you, and on and on it goes, you know. And I, I hear these voices in my head, and yet, secondarily, I hear this, the voice of God telling me that I'm loved by him. And then I, I know that that doesn't matter how I live my life, and I want to live good and godly, but there are times when I make mistakes, and if I, if I live in those places of regret and shame and guilt, then I can never receive what God has made available to me through his son Jesus. So I choose to believe by faith what God has done for me in the works of Jesus Christ, right? Now, when I do that, then God says this. He sees it. He sees it, and it's in that moment that God is pleased. He sees that, that when he sent Jesus for me as a sacrifice and I receive it, now I fully accept everything that he's made available to me. I no longer live in doubt and self-loathing, but I follow him. And in that moment, God is pleased with me. Without faith, we cannot please God. He wants us to operate in this level of faith. And so then that writer of Hebrews begins to tell us a couple stories, some, some characters. I want to talk about two of them. One of them is Noah. You guys know the story of Noah. It's the most famous bedtime story for all the children where you tuck little Jimmy and Sally into bed and you tell them how God drowned everyone on the earth. <laughs> I love you. And then you give them a kiss. Good night. No, but the story, it reads like this. Look here in verse seven. It says by what? By faith. By faith, Noah, right? Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. 
what we're learning here, and I didn't know this when I first became a Christian. This was way cool. But before the flood that we know about in Noah's story, did you know it had never rained on the earth? It had never rained. I don't know what that looks like, but no one knew what rain was. And yet God comes to Noah, um, this righteous man, and he says, hey, there's judgment coming to the earth. The sin is rampant on the earth, and I'm going to judge the earth, and I'm going to send rain and flood it, so you need to build an ark. He had never seen rain. Nobody had ever seen rain. All all his neighbors at this point surely think he's lost his ever-loving mind, and yet he, he was obedient unto God by faith, and he built the ark. Here's what we know, that there is There is a judgment coming for all of us. The Bible tells us that it is appointed unto a man once to die and then face judgment. We know that to be true. God is telling us of things yet unseen. And we herald this story, this hope that's available to people. And so Noah takes this understanding of what God has told him. And by faith, it says he constructs an ark. And it's in this ark that God saves his household in verse 7. Um, in John's gospel, Jesus tells the, the religious leaders of the day, he says, you guys search the scriptures. And he's speaking about the Old Testament here. He says, you search the scriptures in hopes to find eternal life. But I'm telling you this, all of the scriptures, he says, speak about me. So I've heard that before and I love that. And I've, I've sort of braggartly said, I love reading the Old Testament stories because you can find Jesus in the Old Testament stories all over. And that Jesus is in this story. Do you know where he is in this story? Some of you might think it's Noah, it's not. Jesus is the ark in this story. I want you to see this. Jesus is the one standing there with an open door, inviting those who wish to be saved from God's impending judgment upon them to come on board. And we as as a church, we as God's heralders of that gospel message, that, that message of forgiveness of sin and salvation by grace through faith, we lift up this ark, we lift up Jesus, and we invite people to join him. Not join us. It ain't about us. You understand that? We join him in that. He saves people. This all belongs to him. And Noah was only able to do this by what? By faith. We have to believe that the work we're doing, and on days, it is challenging and difficult. Guys, I was praying right before we came up here. And um, if I could be very honest, well... Don't let, I mean, I'm so transparent, it's ridiculous. So don't let that stop me, right? Um, Our staff is tired right now. The work that we've put in for this series has been almost immeasurable. The hours that we've put in. And as I'm praying 30 minutes before I step up here at six o'clock, I am rejoicing that this thing is over. Like, can we just get back to study and act? Someone say amen. (laughs) Woo, let's go, right? That's where I feel. But we know that this work that we're trusting by faith God is going to use and he's going to show himself to people who've never heard of him, who never fully understood him. And by faith, they're gonna, they're gonna join with Jesus and be saved from the impending judgment that is to come. And so we're, we're just going to continue to work um, towards that. Uh, verse eight, it says here that there's a man named Abraham, right? And by faith, Abraham He obeyed God when he was called to go out. Go out where specifically? If you don't know the story of Abraham, Abraham was a man who lived sort of with his family, doing the family business, probably had Saturday cookouts, Sunday football games. I don't know. All of a sudden, God comes to him and says, hey, bro, why don't you follow me? I want to take you somewhere. Why don't you leave your land? He lived in a land called Ur. I can't make that up. Ur. (laughs) He lived there. 
And God calls him into something brand new, something he's never seen before. And it says by what? By faith, he obeyed God and went with him. He doesn't know where he's going. He has no reasonable idea. He, he just knows who God is, whatever that looks like, and he's following him. And he says, he's, he, by faith, he goes out to him to a place where he was to receive an inheritance. Now, I want to talk about this issue of inheritance that God promised Abraham. We see two prongs in this promise, this inheritance. The first was this, Abraham, I will give you a land. It's a promised land, which is why we call it the promised land, that he's going to take Abraham and establish him there into this land flowing with what? Milk and honey, this promised land. And Abraham, in his life, he did get to the promised land and he was able to receive that inheritance. But the second part of his inheritance was this, that he would have descendants too numerous to count. God takes him outside and says, look at the stars, bro. He says, your descendants will be more numerous than the stars. Look at the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will be more numerous than the sand here. Now that's hyperbole, I get that. But understand this, the thing that's wrecking Abraham's mind is that he and Sarah, his wife, they have been, they have been unable to conceive a child. And for decades, they've been desperately trying to have a child. And yet God comes into this sort of barrenness and tells him, listen, you're going to have descendants so numerous, you won't even be able to count them. But by faith, he listened to God. Now, Abraham was able to see one part of this promise. His son Isaac eventually did come through his wife, Sarah. But that was it. He just saw the beginning of that promise to be fulfilled. He wasn't able to see all of it. I want you to know, um, seven years ago, when we were sitting in uh, my living room, right? Some of you were there. Raise your hand if you were in my living room seven years ago, right? There's just a handful of us. We were doing a Bible study on Sunday nights. Just a group of kids that would come together and open the Bible, read the Gospel of John, maybe play a little song on guitar and, and pray for people. That was it. And every week I was convinced this is the week they stopped returning. This is the week they stopped coming back. But they never did and they kept coming. And one point we said these words, listen to me. We said, I wish we had more room so more people could come and join us. Seven years ago, we said that. Does that sound familiar to you? We're saying it again right now. Seven years ago, um, we were risky. By faith, we believed God would do something great, and we chose to follow him, and we rented space downtown here. Hear me, we, we did not have a checking account. We had never taken an offering in our little group. We'd never had done any of that. And by faith, we, we believed God was doing something, and so we decided to rent space. And God miraculously showed up and provided finances for us. He started bringing more people. He started doing all these things. I'm, I'm telling you these stories because I want you to hear this. We didn't have much, but what we did have, faith, we gave back to God. It pleased him, and he gave us a return on that investment, and the church has grown. Do you hear this? And we are in that exact same moment right now. You people here, you are the 20 people in the living room. And we are starting over again. We are saying the same thing over and over again. We need more room so more people can come to hear about the truth and the love of Jesus. This church has changed people's lives. Listen, do not take it from me. You don't know all the stories that I know. I know you know some people, hear me. Lives have been changed because of this, the work in this church. It is not us. You know that, right? It is not us. It is Jesus doing the work. 
And so we invited some friends to come in to sit before a camera and to tell us their stories. And I want you guys to be encouraged as you watch this video of people sharing what, what this church and what Jesus has done for them. Enjoy. Uh, I came here like freshman year of college and I knew that I wanted to get involved so I asked some of the upperclassmen and I was like hey so where are some churches and, and you could just feel the love as soon as you walked in there so it was like literally the first time we visited we kind of both looked at each other and was like we're gonna join this church so and everybody just welcome the, the greeters and the people at the coffee station and the just the whole team you could feel the vibration in the church it's from this like smell of the place to like the music to just everything um there's just so much passion so much creativity and i was at ren the night that i like for real finally believed by myself i like i was bawling and the first sunday i came i was in tears i was in tears and i was so thankful i came he's placed us in the midst of a big family that just keeps reaching out and enveloping more people into it the one word that I remembered in history class was the word renaissance, and it meant rebirth. And I thought, I don't know why I remember that, but all of a sudden I heard about this renaissance church, and I thought, big deal. But man, you come there and you realize there's a lot of rebirth. Um, I am a recovered alcoholic, and um, I practiced alcoholism up until I was like 45 years old. There's a lot of times where I question, why am I still alive? Fast forward to a couple years ago, my youngest daughter, which is uh, very religious, her and her husband, Caleb, had invited me um, and Shelly to church, and we went to the Civic Center at an Easter service. There's countless reasons why I shouldn't be here for the things that I've done. And for some reason, I'm here. I found myself in a rough place in life, and I was uh, kind of searching for something. My anxiety, I have an anxiety disorder. My anxiety was terrible. Um, it, was, it was rough. Uh, there were a lot of times when I didn't know if I was going to make it through the day, um, make it through the week. And then to know that you can go somewhere and talk to somebody and say, I feel like I'm by myself and they're going to pray for you and they're going to be there for you and they're going to text you and they're going to call you and they're going to say, hey, we're going to get tacos and, or, or hey, you want to come swim in our pool just so you can go and be with other people. To see, to see our two youngest kids go from not really even wanting to go to church to on fire and um, excited to read their Bible and um, do Bible study and get involved with, with uh, other youth. And it was just game over for me. This is, this is where God wants us. Our kids are growing. We're growing. We're being fed. And it's, it, was, it was amazing to watch. And to see my two youngest kids in the front row with their hands in the air praising the Lord. I was a bitter, angry man. Seriously, I really was. I mean, there's, 
I would got road rage. I mean, somebody cut in front of me and was, uh, used words that you probably shouldn't be using, you know, and it just, it, yeah, I mean, I was bitter. I, you know, I could, on the outside, I could pretend like I was happy. Uh, no, I wasn't happy at all. Um, a friend of mine who goes here lost her son. That was, um, what, four years ago, five years ago, whatever it was. And uh, I started coming here to support her, you know. I'd always bow my head to pray out of respect, but uh, there was one Sunday that I was praying, or I can't say I was praying, I actually just bowed my head, but it, I don't know, something hit me and can't explain it. It just, it, it just kind of woke me up. You, you gotta open your heart. Um, That's what I did, and my life has completely changed. If we're doing what, what, what Christ has called us to do, then we're reaching out in every cor street corner um, of, of, of Decatur, Macon County, whatever it takes to bring people to know Him. Um, and if, if we're gonna do that, obviously we need the room to do it. Growing into a new building uh, that accommodates enough people is definitely important because you just never know if someone's turned away, you just never know what will happen from there or what would have happened if they were able to attend the service, so. There's no point that you say, well, we've rescued enough of them. We've gotten them on the right path. We have to keep going. Because there's, there's a lot of us out there. And, you know, if the way I look at it, if I can change, you know, look how many people's out there that's worse off than I am. I mean, it's anything's possible, but you got to have an open door. You got to let them come in and experience that. Anybody can come into our church and, and just say like, hey, we're here to worship Jesus. And they're like, yes, absolutely. Or like, hey, we don't really know what we believe. Yes. Okay. Come in. Or like, hey, like. We're addicted to drugs. That's awesome. Come on in. Like, you know, like do whatever you need to. And Jesus is going to help you. It might, you know, look like we're just trying to make more space for more people to come, but it's actually like we're reaching more people to like than for God to like grasp onto their soul. Like it's like it's like each seat equals like a life or death for someone. That to me is part of the excitement at Rand. And part of the vibe about the whole thing is that it's just, it's electric. And it's just one of those kind of things that, you know, I love it. And, and Janice does as well. And we just, uh, we, we just can't imagine now being anyplace else. And we're so excited about what's coming in the future. There are so many of those stories, you know, there's lots of them and, and we could go on and on. In fact, um, I would recommend this, that is, as you continue to come to Renaissance, um, you get to know the guy sitting at the end of the row and you just start that. Tell me your story, bro. Tell me how you got here. Tell me what God's done in your life. Um, it, it'll blow you away. And I need you to understand this too, that these by no means, these are not our stories. These don't belong to us. Hear me, we will fade away. This church is part of that wood, hay, and stubble that will eventually disappear, right? But God and the work that he's done, Jesus will be forever worshiped 
for eternity by the people that have come and found him in, the, in a place like this, in, in this place. Ron, the man who told the story about how he's an angry man, how he just came to church to support a friend of his who had lost her son, God has changed his life. He will worship Jesus for, for all eternity because of, of what God has done with him um, in this place. He had never experienced a church until he came here. And, and that is the story of so many people. Um, seven years ago, back in that little Bible study, I would have braggardly told you if you would have asked me, what does the church look like in five to six to seven years? And I would have just said confidently, we're going to be a church of 500 people. I don't know why I thought that, but I just felt it. Like we could do this. We could, we could get, gather 500 people who, who desperately and passionately love Jesus to come together and worship. I believed it. Now, I want you to think about this. If, if we'd have been following my plan, we would be done right now. We'd be finished. We'd sit back, put our feet up and go, wow, we did it. How about that? But this isn't my plan. This is truly God's heart for the people here in the city. He's encouraging us to continue. He's asking us to, to say that thing again. If we could make more room for more people, they would come and they would believe. Do you believe that? Yeah, 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 yeah me too. So um, I'm winding down. I want to tell you a quick story uh, about my two little girls. I have a 13-year-old daughter, Reagan, and a 15-year-old daughter, Riley. They're amazing. They're teenagers, but they're amazing. And, and when they were first born, my wife and I, we had this moment where we began to realize that the church that we were attending at the time, that my daughters were fifth-generation uh, members of that church. Check it. So, so my daughters, when their, their mom, my wife was a little girl, her parents took her to that church, and that's where she went and learned about Jesus. And she learned what it was like to to um, serve him and love him and to worship him. And when, when my, my wife's um, mom was a little girl, her mom took her to the same church by her, my daughter's grand, great-grandparents and, and on and on it goes. And, and there are five generations. There's great-great-grandparents in the legacy of our family in that church. And it's, it's, it blows my mind to think about that. And I need you to hear this. When, when great-grandpa Pop and when Arlene and, and some of those other people were, were working so hard on that church, they, they did not have my daughters in mind when they were doing that work. They did, I know they didn't. They were just thinking, we, if we can build a church that's relevant to the people around us, we can have um, friends and family and coworkers come to the church, and they'll encounter Jesus, and Jesus will change their lives. That was their work. And yet, we can look back 80 years, and we can see that in that moment, God was changing uh, and building a legacy in them, even though they were unaware of it. I, I feel that here. I am not trying to oversell this. If you, are, if you are motivated to do anything by me, stop. Stop. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't carry the weight of that. Don't ever come up to me. Well, you said I should. No, listen. God is doing something. We might be able to just buckle down and just work hard and create a place where more people can come and, and God will continue to change lives. That's where we're at. So this is that moment right now. So we've been talking for the last few weeks that on week three, we're going to ask you to fill out these commitment cards. And that we believe there are three groups of people in this church. The first group of people are people who come to Renaissance. 
They, they, they probably call it home, although you probably don't come every week and that's fine. I'm sort of jealous about that, honestly. <laughs> but you don't come every week. But when you come, this is the church that you go to. And yet you've never financially supported the church. You just have never made that leap into faith and trusting God with your finances, etc. We believe God is talking to many of you that you would, you would fill out this card today, you'd write your name in it, and you would circle this thing at the top where it says, I commit to give. And you would take the on-ramp into obedience with God and begin to trust him and follow him and join us as we go to build this greater thing for God. And so we're not asking you to fill out any amounts or anything. We, we don't care about that. We're just asking you to step out in faith and to join this thing. This is a moment that I had to do myself years ago. I'm like, I went from never giving at all to a church in my life to then joining that work. And it was, it was a profound and growing experience for me. So if you're part of that first group, we, we encourage you, put your name here, circle the top, I commit to give, and just drop it in one of the giving boxes. The second group of people are people like me who, who give to the church regularly. I, I give every week or every other week when I get paid. It's just what I do. And I've always done that even at the other church that I used to go to. But God's been talking to me about giving more. And so some of you are in the second group and maybe God wants you to, to give more. We're asking that you take this commitment card, that you fill it out, and that you put in the amount that you want to give, how frequently you want to give it, and how you would like us to remind you about that. And you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yes, we know what it's like to, to really hear God speak to you. And then after six months, seven months, eight months, you grow a little weary in that. And we want to come alongside you and help you and remind you, yes, God spoke to you. Yes, God is doing this. I know it's difficult, but we don't stop things because they're difficult because God does it, right? And so we want to do that. And then maybe you're that, that third group of people who could just write the large check Right? You could do five figures or six figures. I don't know. You could be my best friend if you want to do six figures. And you could just be a shot in the arm and we could start this process. Like next week, we could start. Let's go. Let's build this space. And then we can get started. Um, I want to tell you that uh, if you fill this card out and give it into one of the giving stations out on the sidewalk, um, we had a bunch of shirts, you know, as a thank you but the nine and the 1045 were like vultures out there. I'm just telling you. So there's only a few left. And, but if, if you wear a smaller medium, um, sorry, Jordan, if you wear a small or just kidding, sorry, you're sitting right there. But if you wear a small or a medium and, and you give one of these out at the, the sidewalk stations, we'd love to give you a shirt. If you don't care about a shirt, if you don't care, just drop it off in any of the giving boxes that you see. And I thank you that you've, um, you've listened to me. I thank you that you, you believe God is doing some stuff, and I, I'm thankful that you would join with us as we move forward. So the band is going to come back for, um, up in a minute. We're going to continue to worship him because it is about him, isn't it? I'm not convinced, Shelby. It is about him, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. It really is to see the work that he's doing um, through our lives to help impact others. So while I pray as the band makes their way back up, I'm going to ask God to just really talk to you, to really speak to you about what he wants you to do. Um, I know some people have already filled out the cards because God has already been talking to them, and for that I'm thankful. And there are people here that are just sort of hanging right now, sort of, I don't know what to do. It's okay. God speaks. So would you pray with me? Lord, we... 
again come to you in Jesus' name, not not our own merits, not in our own works, Lord, but in the work that you do alone. God, make us crazy, faith-filled people to believe that you're at work here. And if there's anything inside of us that sounds like this is about us and a little kingdom we're trying to build unto ourselves, and if that's, if that's a thing in our lives, Lord, just, just root it out of us. God, help us to just be servants of you. Help us to just uh, love you first. Man, God, God I was reminded as I'm, as I'm finishing up this morning and I'm so excited about God uh, meeting people and the lives of people being changed here and the future that, that you have for Renaissance. I met a girl on the sidewalk who asked me to pray for her because she's from Puerto Rico and she hasn't heard from her brother in three days since the hurricane's gone through. And it's so easy for me to go, you know, rah, 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 let's go, let's build a church. Let's, and there's, there's brokenness in the world around us. God, may we never lose sight of the fact that it is about the people first and foremost. It is about um, those that are hurting, those that are lost, that we would be quick to pray with others, that we'd be uh, quick to pause and spend time with other people. Make that the heart of this church, Lord. And as we, as we settle in to, to give more of our finances, to tighten up our belts and to just to sacrifice more to you so that more people can come in here, Lord, I pray that you bless us for that. I pray that you come and you encounter us in that, that you would show yourself faithful in that. When we don't believe we'll have enough to pay the bills, that you would come in supernaturally, miraculously, and you would make a way. God, you would increase our faith in these moments. This is an opportunity to know you better. And for that, we're grateful and we love you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys are great. Um, when the band starts to sing, you'll see many people begin to stand up and sing and, and join them in this and that. And you're welcome to do that whenever you want to. If you want to sit in your seat and just pray, like, God, what do you want me to do as a part of this campaign? Then just sit there. It's fine. But if you've already got it figured out or whatever, just stand up and just love on Jesus because he's worth it, right? Right? All right. I love you guys. Um, I hope to see you back next week. Um, we will be back in the book of Acts, just so you know. <laughs> so please join us next week. I love you guys. Blessings. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.